This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our locked on rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Ogumbawale for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Growing up, I used to watch, and it was if there was a black coach that got there, there was really only one, and that was Coach C. Vivian Stringer. And she demonstrated of what could be done. Uh, I have to compliment my staff, my players. I didn't win it by myself, but it was a group effort when we won the national championship. And my English teacher back in high school said, You never count a first unless there's going to be a second. Right. Well, the second was then Don Staley. So now, again, though, since the NCAA tournament has started, there's only been one black person, male or female, that has made it to the Final Four at a time. Now there are two. And so with Adia Barnes and Don Staley competing in the Final Four, now it's not it's, – I hope that it gets to a time where it's not unique – but it happens. Right. And so when you have two of them now, now it can become the norm, especially when administrators give African-American women an opportunity. These two women are demonstrated with a chance they can get it done. Welcome to another episode of Locked on Women's Basketball. I am your Tuesday, Thursday host, Erica Lindsay Ayala. The voice you heard in the after our intro was that of Carolyn Peck. She, of course, is one of the studio analysts, studio analysts, excuse me. She's one of the studio analysts, the women's NCAA tournament. And, of course, as she noted, uh, she was running through the history of not just black women head coaches, but black coaches, period, that have taken their team to the Final Four, specifically on the women's bracket. But Carolyn Peck was the first to do it. Dawn Staley was the second. And now Dawn has an opportunity alongside alongside Adia Barnes to do it once more. But they still have to win. And there's no easy task ahead of Arizona, where Barnes is, and South Carolina, of course, where Don Staley is. They drew UConn and Stanford, respectively. And if you missed our Wednesday edition of Locked on Women's Basketball, I highly recommend you go listen to that episode The amazing Amy Audibert and Gabe Ibrahim. Not only do they recap some of what we talked about on Tuesday, of course, the drama that was UConn versus Baylor, but they also give you the odds going into Friday's final four matchups. And again, that is South Carolina versus Stanford and UConn versus Arizona. It's going to be a good time. But I wanted to open the show with that clip, Adia Barnes, or excuse me, Carolyn Peck talking about Dawn Staley and Adia Barnes because I've had Dawn Staley on this very show talking about the legacy of Carolyn Peck and this great tradition that Carolyn Peck has passed on, which is to after winning a national title, to cut and keep a piece of the net, to then give to the next head coach who has the opportunity to win an NCAA championship. And so when I asked Don Staley uh, 
last year, right around the WNBA season, if she had selected the next person to pass along the net to, she said she hadn't. And she was still waiting to see who would rise to the top. So depending how things go, I want to ask her about Adia Barnes. But um, I wanted to open the show because usually on Thursdays we talk about social justice and also... A part of talking about social justice is not just clamoring for things to be better, but recognizing and honoring that although we're still talking about firsts in 2021, that these firsts are important. And Dawn Staley, Adia Barnes, Carolyn Peck, and even Tara, Tara Vandeveer. And uh, I was on the media availability today, and Dawn Staley had a lot of great things to say about Tara Vandeveer. Um, she's a Hall of Famer through and through. This is fantastic. And then um, representing the fellas, of course, representing the fellas is UConn. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens in the NCAA Final Four. Not going to do too much analysis. Again, Gabe and Amy did such a fantastic job on the Wednesday show that we're not going to get into that too much. But we are going to talk about the WNBA, and we're going to talk about the WNBPA. So first, we're going to give you draft updates. We'll do a little bit of NCAA talk when it comes to the transfer portal and actually what WNBA players are saying about the potential of one and duns. I joined the USA basketball call and everyone from Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, and of course, Diamond DeShields talked about that. And I'll play a little bit from Diamond in particular because I was able to ask her about that. I want to talk about that a little bit. And I think the WNBA draft is going to be very unique. Actually, all college drafts um, into the pros, regardless of sport, are going to be extremely unique. You have players that are going to come out early, and declare, but you also have players that might stick around for that extra year of eligibility. This is an unprecedented time because of all of the cancellations last year and the truncated season for a lot of teams because of coronavirus. And the NCAA is allowing athletes to stay for an additional year of eligibility. I'm running into trying to navigate who's going to stay, who's going to go in my women's hockey coverage as well. So it's going to be very interesting. But of course, we have teams that have fallen and are no longer in the NCAA tournament, which means that we already have people uh, that have declared for the draft. I'll give you a quick roundup of people who have declared. I will give you some updates that we got about the WNBA draft and lots more. So all of that coming up on this episode of Locked on Women's Basketball. Hey, sports fans, I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast that I really think you're going to love, and it is called Death at the Wing. This is a sports documentary podcast hosted by Adam McKay. He is writer and director of The Big Short, Vice, and Anchorman. And I was able to listen to a sample of episode four. And what I like about Death at the Wing is that it's really putting a lot of work into the intersect of sports um, and a timeline of the 1980s where society and culture, race, um, racism, uh, gun laws, drug laws is really heightened in the United States. And that all intersects, not just in sports, but particularly in basketball. And 
I think McKay has done a really great job of doing an audio documentary style that really elevates the voices of people who've lived through these moments in history and to explore the overlooked phenomenon and the intersectionality of social, political, and cultural forces at play. So if you love 30 for 30 or if you love The Last Dance, I think you're really going to love Death at the Wing. So make sure you search for Death at the Wing wherever you get your podcasts and start listening. You know I'm going to have a lot to say when we get back to our Social Justice Thursday episodes, like today's episode. As I mentioned in the first segment, we are going to talk about the WNBA draft. We're going to talk about the transfer portal. We are going to talk about and hear from some USA basketball players, including Diamond Shields, about what they think about the NCAA and the WNBA uh, potentially moving towards a one-and-done. As of right now, you have to be a true junior or uh, the age... um, of a true junior status in order to enter the WNBA draft. Uh, So you can't enter after freshman year. Uh, It's been an interesting conversation. I believe Doug Feinberg of the Associated Press has a story out. I will put that in the description for you. Uh, But before we get to that, you might remember uh, last week, I mentioned uh, and I reintroduced a conversation that the WNBPA has been having regarding the COVID vaccine. And it seems as though it's one of the things in the WNBA offseason that the Players Association has been focused on. So USA Basketball is in camp at San, um, in San Antonio, excuse me, at the Final Four in San Antonio. And I asked Sue Bird, who has been vocal um, via Clubhouse, I've, I asked her about what the WNBA PA or excuse me, what the WNBPA is doing regarding education around vaccination for themselves, and also ask Sylvia Fowles that same question and and what she thinks that will translate into when it comes to educating the greater community. So first we'll hear from Sue Bird, and then Sylvia Fowles. Hey, Sue. Hey, Diana. Good to see you. Um, Sue, this question's probably uh, for you, but Diana, obviously, if you want to weigh in. Some of the things that... um, the WMBPA and Social Justice Council in particular might be focused on. And it seems as though one of those things has also been um, awareness about vaccines and vaccinations. 80 plus percent of the league comes from communities of color, black communities in particular. Vaccinations, historically speaking in this country mean something very different to communities of color. Um, Just wondering if you could maybe offer some insight since there was also a lot of vaccination talk, or um, I should say testing talk coming out of yesterday's NCAA tournament. Oh, there was? I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, so what we've, I mean, I could just tell you what we've done, which is, you know, our union starting as far back as we've all been invited to hop on and talk directly with doctors, particularly doctors of color. And just, they've, they've all kind of given their own presentations and then it's been open. I think the beauty of it is, to your point, um, you know, communities of color are impacted, you know, disproportionately as far as vaccine goes. 
And I think if you can, you know, break down some of some of those walls and barriers and just educate people and let, let them, you know, make a educated choice, it's still their choice. They can still choose to get it or not. That's not the issue. You want to make sure everybody's as informed as possible. And these Zoom calls were great. You know, there, there were some instances, to be honest, where for those that couldn't hop on, we were able to send the videos. And there were some people that, you know, just felt really thankful, like, wow, there's a lot I didn't know. And like I said, it's, it's all about education. I think we can all kind of agree that this past year and a half almost now, well, not quite, I guess year, yeah, it's been a year, um, has been, there's just so much out there. There's so much information at all times at our fingertips and you never know what to believe. So to be able to talk directly to doctors was incredible. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you listen for Monday's episode as I will be pinch hitting for Peter Burkowski. Um, I wanted to ask you, I asked Sue Bird a little bit about this, but um, I know there's been conversations about what would be next for the players, particularly in the WNBA and, and talking about the, the Social Justice Council. And it, it has been what some of those conversations have yielded for you and, and how you um, feel compelled to share that information with your community. Um, it's kind of a, about the vaccine um, for myself for personal reasons. And a lot of that just weigh in on me wanting to have kids in the future and what's the long-term effects on that. So information um, from our leaders like Sue, Neca, uh, Terry, and all of them on the good things, the positive things about this vaccine. So just trying to weigh out my options at this point, but definitely the next swing is to making sure we educate people as much as possible, but at the same time, trying to weigh out the options as well. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, I, I talked to Sue again, that's very real for communities of color and black communities. But that that being said, you know, what do you think will be the drive for the WNBA? Or have you had those conversations yet on what that is to present that information to, in your case, the, the Minnesota um, market? Um, we're getting much information as much as possible uh, right now. Um, a lot of things are still up in the air. I don't think we came to one conclusion as of yet, but it's still a lot of talk about what's the next step. I think you have a lot of people who's willing to get vaccinated, but at the same time, you also have a lot of ones who still iffy about it. So just trying to make sure everybody's on the same page. That was WNBA veteran Sylvia Fowles, obviously in USA basketball camp and the audio cut out at certain times, but Sylvia Fowles said she's still on the fence regarding the vaccine. She mentioned like Sue Bird did that the players are getting information and they're able to have Zoom calls with doctors, as Sue Bird said, with doctors of color and to learn a little bit more about the vaccine. But for Sylvia Faust, she still has concerns about the vaccination, given that she hopes to have children in the future and wants to weigh her options there. But as Sylvia and Sue said, there's still uh, a lot of misinformation and learning and unlearning that the players are doing. And that hopefully will transpire into them offering as much information as possible to the public. So it's something that I know the Washington Post wrote about. I've talked about it here on Locked on Women's Basketball, including that the WNBA um, 
apparently before the NBA has been having conversations with drugstore chains like Walgreens, etc., to kind of do some of that education and also providing access to the vaccination. I'm kind of with um, Sylvia here, not necessarily for the same reasons, but I, I still have a lot of questions about the vaccine as now I'm eligible here to get it in New York State. So I'm going to be keeping my finger on the pulse. There is a lot of history around vaccinations, generally speaking, when it comes to communities of color, as I alluded to in my question. So looking forward to exploring that a little bit more with the WNBPA. But speaking of the WNBPA, they are going to usher in a new class of rookies. Coming up next on Locked On Women's Basketball, I'm going to give you what we know about the WNBA draft, and you'll hear from Diamond DeShields, Diana Taurasi, and Sue Bird about one and done. Is it time for the WNBA to get with the program? Coming up next on Locked On Women's Basketball. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and of course, NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine is what you can find on betonline.ag. It also has you covered for all your news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. Yes, free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for quite a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is, drumroll please, Coconut Brownie Chunk. Versus cookie dough chunk. This is for all the props. This is for bragging rights on the built bar streets and, of course, on the website. Cookie dough chunk beat out birthday cake, cookies, and cream to get to the final. Coconut brownie chunk had to beat out caramel brownie, one of my favorites, and mint brownie to get to the final cookie dough chunk versus coconut brownie chunk i'm leaning towards cookie dough chunk i said that earlier in the week but what you should do is head over to builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on twitter and put in your votes and if you head to the website remember to use promo code locked one five to get 15 percent off your next order that is locked 15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And don't forget to check back to see who won not only today's matchup, but who will become the best-tasting protein bar. 
Okay, now, so let's talk a little bit about the WNBA Draft 2021. It's going to be presented. The presenting partner, once again, is State Farm. It is going to be the 25th Annual Draft, exclusively televised by ESPN, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Central, Eastern Standard Time, excuse me, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on April 15th. Also, we got this news. I was already going to talk about the vaccinations in today's show, but we also see that um, in addition to this being the second virtual draft, the Players Vaccine Awareness and Education um, platform will be on display. So I'm going to read a little bit from the press release that came out this afternoon. Uh, The WNBA Draft 2021 presented by State Farm will be held Thursday, April 15th. WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert will announce the draft picks live on ESPN with exclusive coverage beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and top prospects will take part virtually. The draft will also be available on the ESPN app. And this is a quote from Kathy Engelbert. With continued support from... And in partnership with State Farm and ESPN, we look forward to bringing optimistic moments of life through the announcements of the names of this year's top WNBA draft picks. The opportunity for these elite athletes to reach this pinnacle and to share this moment with their families, friends, and WNBA fans, even in virtual format, will make for a truly memorable night as we commemorate the league's 25th season and continue building momentum for the future of the league. Um, The press release goes on to say, in line with their commitment to to vaccine education during the off-season, the telecast will feature WNBA players discussing COVID vaccines with a focus on health equity and will provide previews uh, and will provide previews of the league's historic upcoming 25th season featuring guest appearances from WNBA legends, including Tina Thompson, the first player selected in the inaugural draft um, of April 28th, 1997. Pre-draft festivities will tip off the morning of April 15th on WNBA.com, the WNBA app, and other WNBA social media platforms when the virtual orange carpet will give fans a behind-the-scenes glimpse at some of the top draft prospects as they showcase their personalities and their unique styles while preparing for this life-changing moment. And once again, there will be opportunities for fans to engage virtually through the WNBA app. Fans will be able to choose from multiple digital activations throughout the evening, all designed to enhance the draft viewing experience, including pick your pick and draft chat. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked on NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked on NBA Draft podcast on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts. Through Pick Your Pick, fans can cast their votes on who they believe should be the next player to hear their name called 
on draft night. The draft chat room, which will go live at 6 p.m., is designated to create a sense of community for WNBA fans, will give fans a unique access to inside takes and live analysis of key draft prospects and their potential impact on teams and the league, as well as an opportunity to hear from special guests. So they're really trying to create an opportunity here. We get two hours, not one, but two hours of draft coverage exclusively on ESPN. That was a sour point for a lot of people when it came to the draft last year. We got the last round or so really rushed. And, um, you know, there, there wasn't really much to build on after the first few picks. There wasn't a lot of storytelling about the other picks after round one and round two and three. We saw Crystal Dangerfield, the the reigning rookie of the year, go in the second round, and there wasn't really that much built up around her or other athletes coming in the second round. I do wonder, we saw that top prospects kind of got this this box they got the the microphones the ring lights the all the hats and all this stuff i wonder how the wnba will do that now that theoretically at least they will have an opportunity to have more athletes participate in the draft because it's all virtual um, but we always know that it's kind of been the cream of the crop that is selected. The top 12 prospects are invited to the draft. Those are obviously selected by, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> but um, we've seen before that there have been athletes that have been invited to the draft that didn't go in the first round. There have been athletes that didn't get invited that um did go in the first round. So it's never a perfect science. And obviously they're going to go with the names that they think the WNBA that is, is probably going to go with the names that they think will go first, but I'm actually working on a piece for um, sports illustrated. And it's interesting to hear people talk about the draft and Sue bird talked about this a little bit as well, but you know um, it's a little bit of, Taking the best player as an investment, that's how some people see it. Some people, and depending on the pick, I guess, also, it's how much do you need an athlete to um, to be off the, like, right off the bat, right out the gate to make an impact. And um, that kind of leads to the conversation that I wanted to have about one and dones. So Diamond to Shields is in USA Basketball Camp. I mentioned that... Um, Doug Feinberg had been asking a lot. A lot of people on the call had been asking. So I thought to ask Diamond DeShields specifically about her thoughts about one and done and if she felt that women athletes were expected to uh, go through more schooling and remain in college longer, not necessarily because they can't make money professionally, not necessarily because there aren't options, but because they're essentially cajoled. And there's this narrative that women, which doesn't make any sense because women overwhelmingly, well, not overwhelmingly, but statistically speaking, it's usually about a 60-40 split of women in college versus men. But I get the sense that a lot of people don't want to see a one and done for the WNBA because the the argument is, well, they're they're not going to get a degree. 
which is not necessarily true. These athletes are likely on scholarship. They can now make money as a professional in the WNBA and overseas. And what's to say that they won't pay to finish their degree? But here's what Diamond DeShields had to say. She did leave college early, played professionally overseas before entering the WNBA draft. Thank you. Um, Diamond IBA were to institute a one and done that that immediately precludes WNBA players from then eventually going on to get their education. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. And, and if you feel that that's something that women in particular are cajoled into as why they shouldn't leave college before they finish. Yeah, I mean, um, but you can't minimize the importance of the degree um, and what that does for you post-college. You know, even though I left early, I moved me um, into the next chapter of my life. Um, hopefully, the league will be in a place where, you know, if players can have the choice to place where financially, you know, that'll be worth it. Um, you know, right now it's not. And so, you know, it's very important, I think, still um, to get your degree. So, you know, I think that as time progresses and as we start to see uh, the game continue to grow, um, Maybe that one and done might might be possible. You'll start to see more players leaving early. I mean, there certainly are players who are capable of playing at the professional level right now, um, even though they're not seniors. So we'll see. So that was Diamond to Shields. Once again, the audio clipped a little bit. You know, Zoom calls are not always the best for that. But Diamond felt that she, Diamond said that she did feel that uh, women are cajoled into staying. And the culture right now is as such that there is not really uh, an appetite um, and there is no culture, I guess, um, of women taking the opportunity to go pro earlier than junior year. Um, we've seen Diamond DeShields do it. Uh, Jackie Young came out early and was a number one pick. Uh, you know, we've seen Kalia Davis. Uh, we've obviously seen Diamond DeShields, Amanda Zowie B do it. So it's not that it's it hasn't happened. And Diamond is unique because she actually left even earlier than her junior year, earlier than she was eligible for the WNBA and spent a year overseas. So I personally would like to see a little bit more choice. And that's essentially what Gina Oriema had been saying. A lot of people have reported since, um, reported on one and done since some of these conversations. And I think um, what you hear Gina Oriema saying, what you hear Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird saying is, well, let's just get to the point where we give women the choice and if you want to make that choice, you can. Um, of course, a lot of people also wondered if and how the uh, name, uh, image, and likeness and any money that might come in that way would impact whether players want to go one and done. In the WNBA, as it stands right now, you might, if the NCAA starts paying athletes, maybe you create a brand whilst getting paid at least something for it in college, especially if you go to a certain program, maybe it's worth more in, in addition to being able to complete your degree, maybe it's worth more to stay than it is to leave. But of course, that is all dependent on the individual. Diamond DeShield said, I think that we are cajoled, yes, but I also didn't leave before getting my degree. And she imparted 
her very strong opinion that the degree is still important and that she would never want to minimize actually attaining the degree. I guess what I'm saying is we shouldn't assume that just because an athlete leaves early that they either didn't finish their degree or that they won't finish their degree. I was talking, um, I was listening to Remotely Renee and they talked about Shaq and how many honorary degrees we have, but he's a player, he's an athlete that went and finished his degree while being a professional, you know, as an adult. So, and and that happens even not for athletes. We see this happen all the time. People finish school after some time. So I don't want us to think that women, that there's not an opportunity for them to finish the degree, whether they decide to leave early or not. Or maybe we get to the point where we have high school students that come right into the game. I think we're a ways away from that. I don't think that um, women's basketball, because it skews so much on the veteran presence, I don't think that we're necessarily going to see that right away. But you never know. I mean, Paige Beckers is winning every award (laughs) under the sun Amy Otterbird and Gabe Ibrahim talked about that on yesterday's show. So I don't know. Will we get a little bit of that? Maybe. Um, But as we close out the show, and uh, again, the audio might be a little bit spotty because all of this was done on Zoom. But I did ask Diamond to give us a little bit of a taste of what these City Edition jerseys are going to look like. I did my best, folks. And um, as we close out this episode of Locked on Women's Basketball, uh, you will hear from Diamond, but a few things. One, take a look on Twitter spaces and make sure you're following at Locked on WBB. Make sure you're also following me at elindsay08. You can also follow me at Erica underscore L for Lindsay underscore Ayala and on Twitter spaces I'm probably going to be opening up some rooms this weekend since we are at the final four I mentioned that I will be making a cameo appearance on Locked On today on Monday I'm very excited for that and just before I finished this last segment I made an appearance on Remotely Renee so I'm I'm feeling pretty good I'm not gonna lie y'all know I talk about Remotely Renee a lot on this podcast and to be invited onto Remotely Renee to give out roses was fantastic. It was a really cool experience. Make sure you're checking out Remotely Renee. Make sure you are listening to Locked On Today. Always Peter Burkowski does a great job. I've come on the show a handful of times, but especially listen on Monday when I get to pinch hit. And yes, I continue to use baseball references because it is opening day. The Mets did not play today because Rona. Imagine that. But anyway, it's still opening day. I'm excited for baseball season to be back. But again, we have yet to see the Chicago City Jersey Edition. Um, And we are going to close out this episode of Locked On Women's Basketball with Diamond DeShields sharing what she thinks about the City Edition for the Chicago Sky. The WNBA is going to have some alternate jerseys, but the Chicago one hasn't been unleashed yet. Uh, what do you expect? I'm not going to tell you to, to give us anything, but what would you expect to see um, from, from, or what should we expect to see, I should say, from, from that Chicago design that you feel will really encapture what the Chicago Sky is all about? I mean, about? I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I can speak to that without giving too much away. But I will say, in my personal opinions, our uniforms are top three, for sure. 
<laughs> so y'all can be the judge. All right, we're gonna have to get to Dick Sporting Goods and find it. <laughs> they gotta save something, save some sort of surprise. They out here just leaking everything. Around.